Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to First Class Fantasy. I am Theo Greminger, and I'm joined always by Billy Muzio. Billy, we're here. Thanksgiving is in the rear view. It's week 13 in fantasy. Some leagues are in their playoffs this week. Most home leagues have playoffs that start in two weeks. This is the stretch run. We got five more weeks of this left. Uh, how excited are you? Uh, how how uh, you know? We got a lot to talk about, my man. It's awesome to have you one on one today. Um, but how excited are you for week 13? It's like a do or die week for a lot of fantasy managers, and we have six teams on by. Yeah, do or die week. And for those of you who play at the FFPC, we're actually in playoffs right now. Um, you know, final four teams in the main event, final four teams in the uh, 350s. So uh, it is at a spot right now to where it literally is do or die. Money is on the line. And uh, um, we have a lot to consider, a lot to talk about. I mean, we never like buys in, in, in these situations, but here we are. It's just the way the NFL writes the schedule, and we kind of have to deal with the aftermath. But um I'm in a couple jam spots. I'm in a couple spots where it really helps me, though, too. I mean, where I'm facing a guy that's at 90 projections because he's half his team's on a bye. And so um, you have to think about it, though, because teams that made it this far had a bit of a benefit if they didn't have buys with most of their team until this week. And so they didn't really have to worry about pickups and drops with quarterbacks and maybe kickers or defenses. Like if you had Lamar and you had Tucker and you had Baltimore defense, you got the luxury of just rolling with those guys for, you know, 12 straight weeks. And now you, all you have to do is – one week now waivers sucks the money, but you've had the benefit of not having to worry about the drops in those areas. And so there is a benefit. There's a pro, there's a con. Um, and now we get to deal with the aftermath. Yeah. It's, it's always wild. You get to FFPC kind of playoff week and it's like the, the two week run kind of like a two week sprint uh, to make some extra money. And then for some teams to get into, you know, either the three fifty or the main event, like full on playoffs and then NFFC, which we have a lot of NFFC listeners, you know, they have two weeks left and I have a couple of like hard sweats in NFFC where I'm like either the three seed or the four seed. And then I have a couple where I'm like the one or the two seed. And there's a significant money drop uh, when you get down to like the three seed from the one and the two. So yeah. um, it's it's definitely it's definitely a tough one. Um, and, and you start talking about how you get to the playoffs here. So let's back this up a second. When you are talking about NFFC, FFPC, the high stakes formats, Billy, these leagues, we have locked waivers. Yeah. So waivers end, unlike a home league where you're continuing to, to participate in waivers, um, you know, when you're in, in the fantasy playoffs, that this is it. 
So for FFPC, are you always trying to roster? Let's start. Let's start at the 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 most kind of gross position to talk about. Are you rostering two kickers on your teams that make it to the to the sprint? No, I I kicker I'll run naked. I just think that the variance of the position is one alone. It's it's enough to be alone. Two, you're going to drive yourself mad trying to decide between kickers. It's a stress I don't want. And three, usually injuries the kicker position are very rare. It happens. Um, if it does happen to you, it just, I mean, luck with the draw kind of sucks, but uh, I don't feel comfortable rostering two kickers and taking away the option of having somebody on my bench who could become the X factor during all the money. Um, you know, things you consider like now, like people may have dropped somebody like Jalen Guyton these last couple waiver runs because didn't do much last week. And then all of a sudden Keen Allen does a practice this week and he could be the guy that puts up like 25 points this week. Um, and so you probably would have dropped him for a kicker or a second kicker, or maybe a second defense, or maybe, maybe you wanted to take another quarterback. And so I think I highly believe in, in rostering guys who have league winning upside and could potentially become the X factor um, during this three week shootout. And so I'd rather take my chances on going naked at a, kicker position for the extra depth at wide receiver or running back. So let's, let's back it up a, a, another step. Um, you mentioned defense for defenses. Are you taking a look into like, I, I kind of like to look at the fantasy playoffs and try to have a, a, a maybe a, a random defense that might have one really good matchup in the fantasy playoffs. But are you comfortable going with the single defense through the fantasy for, for, through this, you know, the sprint, or are you usually rostering two defenses? Um, I will look at defenses at like week three and four for the shootout as well as during drafts because I think it's important to look at that shootout schedule and know that you want to have a defense you can rely on week in, week out. Things change, though, through the season. So what we thought might have been a good defense, like let's take Philly, for instance. Philly's defense just hasn't been what we expected it to be, but they have a decent shootout schedule. They have Seattle, Giants, Arizona. So it's kind of the anomaly that we're going to hold these guys because that shootout schedule is so nice. But for instance, not a lot of people probably drafted Houston defense. In most scenarios, they were available on waivers the entire season. You know, smart smart players picked them up after their bye in week eight like we did um, because they had a decent schedule. You know, Carolina, Tampa right after the bye, Arizona week 11, and then uh, Denver this week 13. And then they come back around weeks 14, 15, 16, 16, 17, and they get the Jets, Tennessee, Cleveland, and and Tennessee again. And so I like to usually look way in advance at schedule with defenses and roster one. Um, if I can't find somebody that I really in, like, really like their shootout schedule, I'll look at a combination of two teams, and then I try to find, you know, the teams that I think are going to have the best shootout schedule on any given week during the during the shootout schedule. So like, if maybe you know, like Green Bay for instance, they get Tampa Bay, Carolina, Minnesota. Um, in weeks 15, 16, 17, right? If we still had Kirk Cousins and we have, you know, uh, Jefferson back, it's probably not the best matchup week 17. So at that point, I'd want a different defense in there, somebody who's playing, you know, some, like against Tennessee, against against the New York Giants, you name it. I'd probably roster another defense that, for that week. Now, how about let's get to the tight end position and let's flip it over to the NFFC. NFFC is not tight end premium. So are you ever rostering three tight ends uh like for example and we'll touch base on this uh shortly but let's say a guy like zach Ertz becomes a really interesting guy here in the secondary waiver run because a lot of people have cut him no who's holding zach Ertz at this point um so zach Ertz is sitting there maybe he lands well that might be a guy that you consider rostering just to kind of see how it goes 
do you ever find yourself rostering a third tight end or it, look for that matter, having three quarterbacks? So I think it's a case by case basis. You can't just give it a blanket statement because maybe that third tight end is better than your flex position currently, or maybe you have just, just this kind of abysmal hole at tight end where you have, you know, the likes of Juwan Johnson, you know, Kraft, who's now serviceable and maybe somebody else like Bellinger, right? Then, yeah, you probably want to roster three because you're going to play the matchups, but in, in an ideal situation, you're only going in with two. Um, so you can save that extra roster spot. And so in terms of the three quarterbacks, I am against it for the most part, I would roster two max, um, again, matchup based, but also some people are just matchup proof, right? The Jalen hurts, the, the Patrick Mahomes, CJ Strouds now, right? I can't believe we're actually mentioning his name here, but that's true. Um, and the only time I'm, I'm rostering a third quarterback, honestly, is I'm playing the blocking game, like in the, like inside the 10 K right now. There's a guy who had Lamar and um, he was naked Lamar. He went in this week without a quarterback. We picked up three quarterbacks last week. We dropped them and then picked up three more quarterbacks this week and dro- are going to drop them. And so, so, so just to clarify, Billy picking up those three last week and <sighs> dropping them, the way the FFPC has it set up, they're locked. They can't be picked up this week. So for the, the rest of the season, yeah. For, so they're basically yeah. So that's uh they're gone. That's some high level high level strategy from Billy. You guys are you guys are cold blooded. Um, this it's really fun talking about this uh, scenarios with you know having to do roster construction. I think it's a real challenge for some of these high stakes formats. But Billy, we also got to talk about the game tonight. If you're watching the show on YouTube, uh, you know Seattle and Dallas are set to play in a Thursday evening game. And we're getting this question from the chat. And Billy, if we would have got this question in the end of September or the beginning of October, we would kind of laughed it off. But right now is, would you guys trade Dak for Lamar Jackson? I absolutely would not. Dak Prescott is playing as well as any quarterback in football. Uh, he is QB3, and he's he's been QB1 overall since like week eight. It's been a ridiculous run. The only game that he didn't put up huge fantasy numbers was that Carolina game where you could have played quarterback for Dallas and you guys would have won the game. So where are you at? Like kind of an, in your comfort level of Dak Prescott, this seems like it could be a Dak Prescott Super Bowl year. And it could be a year where Dak Prescott just goes nuts again in the fantasy playoffs. So Dak Prescott, I think in my opinion is the front runner for MVP. Um, there's really only four names that I think even belong in the conversation, maybe five Dak Prescott, Jalen hurts, Tyreek Hill, Christian McCaffrey. And then I think as a kind of a dark horse, you could throw in CJ Stroud. Um, these are the guys that I believe have made the biggest impact. And Dak has just been playing lights out QB three in the year. You hit the, you hit the nail on the head when you said that he's been the quarterback number one since week eight and he's quarterback number two since week seven, um, been playing lights out. You can't help, but you know, acknowledge the fact that this is now a pass heavy offense. And we, we kind of, we talked about this in the offseason, Theo. They were signaling that they weren't adding running backs, that they were probably going to be utilizing the passing game more. They went out and acquired Brandon Cooks. They kept Gallup. They they got, you know, Ferguson was there. Um, they drafted another tight end. They didn't really add any running back weapons. So they everything they signaled was that this was going to become a more pass-heavy offense, and it has. And Dak has really kind of uh, taken it in stride and has excelled now with, with, with this new system. And so I think that Dak Prescott is a must-hold. I don't think you can sell him for 
for uh, Lawrence, even in Dynasty right now, I'm probably declining yeah. that just because Dak has been so hot. And if this is now the new look offense for the Dallas, then I, I think you have to hold them. And you have to give a lot of credit to this Dallas coaching staff. This was one where, you know, we weren't doing it in, in the preseason, but there was a lot of people just like beating up, you know, this the loss of Kellen Moore. How dumb are they? Dallas is going to go back to the Stone Age. And it's been anything but that. Like, I think these teams that are able to self-scout and make changes during bye weeks, that's the difference between like the really strong franchises and kind of the weak ones. And Dallas went and completely changed things up. They had the disappointing loss to Philly, but that game was unbelievably fun to watch for us. And it's been such a fantastic results from their passing game. So big, big hat tip to them. And I think you got to feel great about, uh, about Dallas. And tonight you're starting everybody. There's no questions. Dak Pollard, CD lamb, Ferguson, you're putting Brandon cooks in your lineup most of the time. But when we get to the other side of the ball, we start having, having some question marks. First, I want to, uh, you know, we'll, we'll come back to that question. First of all, let's talk about Zach Charbonnet because you kind of poured a little bit of water for weeks and weeks. You know, I talked about the contingent value of Charbonnet, how Charbonnet, if anything were to happen to Ken Walker, to me, he's more of a top 12 kind of running back, maybe top 15. And you kind of said he'd be a little bit more of a back-end RB2. Uh, in your opinion, you talked about other Seattle backs mixing in. You were absolutely spot on on kind of him being a little bit more of a purgatory player. He's played over 85% of the snaps now for back-to-back weeks. But last week really gave you a disappointing uh, performance. Again, it was San Francisco. Now he's got another tough matchup against Dallas tonight. You're you're starting him, Billy. But how excited are you for Zach Charbonnet on Thursday night football? Yeah, timing is everything when you actually are given the opportunity in the NFL. We talk about volume being king, but there is a point to where that volume, regardless of how many touches you're getting, it's just not efficient. And when you aren't efficient, the team is going to move away from you. So he has seen, like you said, 85% of snaps or more, uh, 71% of the rushing attempts or more in back-to-back weeks, 71%, week 11, 78% in week two. Uh, Routes, 69% or more in all those, and target share, 15% or more in both weeks um, just hasn't been able to capitalize on the opportunity though like you mentioned tough defenses again this week another very tough matchup I think we're going to see a similar output you know that RB20 to RB24 range it's going to really depend on him getting in the end zone or not um, and about how this offense is going to be able to move the ball down the field against this Dallas defense who's also very very stout if not one of the best if not the best in the league and so I don't think that his chances of of you know proving himself while Kenneth Walker is out are are looking great and if anything I think it just reassures the team that Kenneth Walker is going to be the guy when he comes back because let's face it Walker has actually looked good against some of these defenses he's looked good against the Niners he's looked good against very tough defenses uh and it breaks down to the running style and we've talked about this all offseason I just didn't like the way Zach Charbonnet ran the ball he ran up right uh and and it just seemed to be you know he had the ability to be a three down back he still does he's a big back he's got good hands but it's just there's something to be said about how you run in the NFL and, and how you attack a hole and um, the confidence level that you bring and, and the the angry style that you run with. And I think that Kenneth Walker is just more of that it factor in that regard. And that Charbonnet, I think, has a bit more of a learning curve to go as as a rookie. Yeah, I, I think you're 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 spot on. And I think if anything, you kind of nailed it. The big winner here is Kenneth Walker. If you're a dynasty manager and you have Kenneth Walker, it's kind of like 
Seattle might want to get Zach Charbonnet, the rock, but the tape doesn't lie. Kenneth Walker is just a way more explosive, way more productive per touch running back. I know he occasionally get he's more of a home run threat and occasionally gets bottled up, but at the end of the day, the, the tape doesn't lie. It's a big win for Ken Walker. Let's take a quick question from the chat here, Billy. Uh, you, we're definitely benching Geno Smith. I'd say what you would yeah, do agree with horrible and call him a back end QB two at this point, um, for, especially with this matchup. Um, but how about his pass catching weapons? So DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett are right in that mix to like start or, you know, somewhere in that low end wide receiver two wide receiver three range. We had a question from the chat. D, uh, from Floasaurus, shout out to Floasaurus. Devon A-Chain, he's waiting to see if A-Chain plays. And again, A-Chain practiced on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Would you take the risk on Devon A-Chain without knowing Floasaurus's other options on his bench? Or would you play Tyler Lockett tonight? Mm. That's a tough one. And it gave me a little bit of pause. Because again, I don't think I'm missing a weak winner in Tyler. Lockett. I'd have to know what the other options are. Like if he has, you know, somebody like a, if he's like going to be leaning on Dernis Johnson next, like it's, it was a viable play this week. Yeah. Um, but it's not something I'd, I'd probably just go with Lockett. Right. But if he's got, you know, other options that's, that's comparable, then I'd probably roll the dice here. Um, I think HM plays. Um, that being said, coming off injury. We saw what happened. He came off injury last time. He got re-injured immediately. So there's always that factor. Um, and Wilson got more involved last week. So this could become a three-headed monster. I think that Chain has the explosiveness, but I don't know if they're going to give him 15 touches. Right? They might give him that 10 to 11 range. I see. I'd rather, I'd take 10 to 11 touches out, out of Chain over probably any of these wide receivers tonight for Seattle. Cause I'm scared that Dallas might just put it on them tonight. Um, and again, you might get some garbage time stats, but you don't know which way that would go in the second half. And I hate, I hate having to bank on garbage time with my fantasy uh, start sit decisions. Yeah, Here's another- Gino has not been playing well. Dallas is tough, and and this this whole wide receiver core has been pretty inconsistent. Lockett was wide receiver sixty in week twelve, wide receiver thirty in PPR leagues in week eleven. DK was wide receiver fifty eight, and then wide receiver ten. So. Um, I could see this becoming more of a physicality aspect, and they're going to try to get it to the bigger body this game, this DK. Let's get one more question from the chat, and then we're going to take a little bit of a break here. This is from uh, Daniel in the chat. Half point PPR. Pick two. Deontay Johnson versus Arizona. Uh, Puka Nakua versus Cleveland. My guy, Jackson Smith and Jigba against the Cowboys. Or Tyler Lockett against the, the Dallas Cowboys. So some... Uh, Tough, tough, tough decisions here for Daniel. Puka, I'm, I'm Puka going gets the immediate one. He's seen 28% target share over the last three weeks. Um, Cooper Cup has seen 16% in those last three weeks, Theo, with the injury. Jason is out immediately out of this group for me. Um, and then um, I think I lean Deontay um, just because he is still seeing 25, 26% of the target share and the Arizona matchup should be pretty good. Uh, we saw the first time in 59 games last week, uh, the Steelers had 400 yards of offense. Uh, ding, ding dong. The witch is dead. Matt Canada is no longer in, uh, Pittsburgh. And anytime you see a change like this, the, you know, the troops usually rally behind them. And, and I think that we're going to see this offense kind of reemerge as we thought they were going to in the beginning of the season. Yeah. And, and Pat Fryermuth looked fantastic and they're, they're utilizing the middle of the field. Kenny Pickett, 279 yards passing is like another quarterback passing for like 550. So, uh, really, really, you know, the Matt Canada factor is great. 
But uh, we're going to hear a word from our sponsors. And then when we come back, Billy and I are going to answer a lot more of these questions. We're also going to talk about Billy's reaction to the first sample size that we have of the Baltimore Ravens offense without Mark Andrews. Hey, we're all starting new fantasy leagues all the time. And more often than not, where do we start our fantasy leagues at Player Profiler? On Sleeper. Because it's the best. You can imagine my excitement when I saw Sleeper rolled out. Sleeper picks, baby. And game stacking is the path to positive returns with these pick'em games. Find that sneaky shootout and set most of the players to go over their projection for that week. Or you find a game going to get dragged into the mud and take every member of the passing game for less than their projections that week. And if you pick up to eight, that's how you 100x your payout on Sleeper. It's called the Hail Mary. So if you use promo code UNDERWORLD, you get a $100 instant deposit match. Check out Sleeper's terms and conditions for details. These Sleeper picks are live in over 25 states. Yeah, buddy. Welcome back to First Class Fantasy. Theo Greminger with Billy Muzio. Billy, I was just looking at the show sheet when uh, when we were taking a break. No way we're getting to all this stuff. <laughs> way too much fire at the beginning of the show. So let's rip through this one. You got to see Baltimore, and it was a game where they controlled things, but the offense didn't give you a whole lot of uh, to be excited about. Zay Flowers gets you two touchdowns, a lot of uh, low A dot targets around the line of scrimmage. He gets you a rushing touchdown for over 30 yards. That's great. Keaton Mitchell sees an uptick in, in usage, and then Isaiah Likely gets you four catches for, I believe, 40 yards. So, And, and, and target-wise, Isaiah Likely got you about six targets. So... You're kind of like, you know, you're not like really upset, but you're not really excited about that. Any takeaways with how this Baltimore offense looked and how you anticipate this Baltimore offense looking when they come off of the bye week? I think they're going to lean into the low ADOT passes to, to Zay, and then they're going to lean on the running backs between Keaton Mitchell's between the 20s, and then we see that you know, Justice Hill gets sprinkled in as they hit the 20-yard line. They start getting the goal line packages, uh, or should say red zone packages. And then as they get in the goal line, Gus Edwards comes in and just vultures touchdowns. So um, thank 2016 LeGarrette Blunt for uh, um, for Gus Edwards because he's seen a decline in snaps every single week, 26% last week. He only saw 24% of the rushing attempts. And uh, we saw a season high 46% of the rushing for Keaton Mitchell and uh, 7% targets. So he actually out-targeted Justice Hill as well. So I think the Keaton Mitchell season is finally upon us. I think we're going to continue to see him as the most explosive back. Um, I don't know why they keep running him up the middle, though. Like, let him run outside. Let him run off the the tackle. It doesn't make any sense when they run him up the gut. It's just not his style. And then... I don't I think the receiving position, I think we're going to continue to see a pretty heavy dosage of Odell uh, as long as he's healthy. Um, you know, he saw 18 percent last week, kind of left for a couple series, 32 percent in week 11. Um, and then Rashad Bateman's become more involved, but he hasn't done much with it. So I think that's kind of the, the, the consistent theme we're going to see through the rest of the time. Yeah. So I highly recommend you check out my episode of press coverage with our friend Jim Coventry of Rotowire from earlier in the week. And he had the same takeaway that Billy did that. I think that most people that are looking at the box score would say it's Zay Flowers. This is the huge uptick. But his take was also like yours, that they lost the explosiveness factor with Andrews, and Keaton Mitchell sort of gives them that in a completely different way. But you need those big 
chunk plays in the fantasy playoffs and Keaton Mitchell offers you that sort of potential. So I think post bye week, we've been talking about, and Billy, we can give ourselves a little pat on the back here because Keaton Mitchell, we were talking about like before it was cool. Our chat was talking about Keaton Mitchell. We have a very educated. Pretty much um, since like know, yeah. April, May. Yeah. Um, so the thing about this too is why they're also going to, to lean into the run game is they're going to control the clock. Um, you know, they have a good defense. They can rely on the defense. They're going to keep the ball out of the opposing quarterback's hands. They're going to kill the clock with the run, both between um, Lamar and the running backs. Lamar being, you know, versatile is also going to keep the defense honest and open up running lanes. And so they're going to be using this, you know, uh, to their benefit and continue to hammer the run, control the clock, and then just spread the field. And that's going to open up more lanes in the passing game and the running game. So um, uh, it's smart. It's the way they're going to play it, and they're going to continue to lean into it. Yeah, definitely a franchise that we don't really have any doubts on their their organization and the fact that they'll have a good game plan coming out of the bye. A quick question in the chat. Love the content. Thank you very much, Jamie. 10-team PPR. He's a playoff team. Uh, Diggs and Waddle. Does he stick with uh, Tyler Lockett for the rest of the season for his wide receiver three spot? Or should you drop Tyler Lockett for Josh Downs? And that's kind of an interesting segue into our next question, Billy, because you have Jonathan Taylor, who's missing, they say two to three games, but the guys in your neck of the woods on the West Coast getting surgery in Los Angeles, and now you're telling me he's going to be back and playing in two weeks. I don't buy it. I think three weeks, maybe, but I wouldn't I wouldn't bet on it. I, you know, We have see setbacks as well, and they gave him a lot of money to just rush him back for anything. So does Josh Downs change? with Zach Moss getting a bell cow workload in this Indianapolis offense. I'm personally going downs over Lockett myself because I love the upside uh, for the fantasy playoffs with these ascending young players. But where would you be at with that? Are you treating downs any differently and downs versus Lockett rest of season? I think this is coin flip area. This is like wide receiver 26 through 33 in a week to week basis, depending upon the matchups. Um Down's knee is the only thing, right? He, he injured that knee week nine and, you know, affected him week 10. Seems to be healthy now. Um, week 12 after the bye where he reemerged at 32% target share, which was the highest of the season. Um, and so I think that he definitely is going to see an uptick in targets. I don't think we're going to see 30% plus on a week-to-week basis, but 25 27%. Probably realistic here because Pittman's seen you know thirty three to thirty five percent on a week to week basis. If not, I mean last week saw forty uh, week ten saw forty six percent. So I think it's pretty clear Josh Downs and Pittman are the weapons. Um, but you got to remember they are starting to get their tight ends more involved, right? They just started to get uh, Will Mallory involved, who saw eight percent targets last week and saw forty seven percent route rate last week, which is the highest of the season. They have Jelani Woods coming back, so we might see this offense shift to more twelve personnel. Um, which you know would hurt Alex Pierce more than it would Downs. But that being said, it is going to create a different look offense. And so I think I'd lean Downs here, but um, it's 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 definitely coin flip territory. Jelani Woods still has like a hive out there. There's like the Jelani Woods truthers out in the streets. Are you one of them? I, I think our boy Andrew Cooper is like a secret Jelani Woods like truth i like woods i think he's 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 tall as shit he's like six seven massive massive he just gallops down the field he's not fast or anything but he's just this freakishly massive man and he's gonna be a red zone target is what it is and so um he's gonna be one of those guys that catches three balls for 
27 yards and a touchdown. He's going to finish as like a top 12 tight end. And so I think he's more of a, like I drafted him everywhere in best ball is like the third tight end or the fourth tight end in some leagues. Um, and so it, it's definitely hasn't worked out, but uh, I, I think I would not be comfortable pressing the start button on a, a confined league or a, a, a redraft league. Now, what about our expectations for Zach Moss? I think, you know, you touched on Pittman and downs, oh, yeah. but Zach Moss, Billy, this is like, this is like, this is wild because when we talked about six weeks ago, eight weeks ago, we were talking about the value of Zach Moss and Kyron Williams to early season drafters. And a lot of them were zero RB teams that were rolling because they picked up these guys who were put giving them RB1 numbers <laughs> and they were not drafting those landmines like the injured guys, like the Nick Chubbs or the slow out the gate guys like Tony Pollard. And they were had like found money with Zach Moss and Kyron Williams. Now both those guys are fantasy relevant again, but Let's stay with Zach Moss here. I think it's easy to forget just how great he was. And I say great. He gave you multiple performances of 20-plus PPR points. He was not only running the ball at a high volume, but he showed chops as a pass catcher. And Shane Steichen seems to love him. So if you have Zach Moss, this could be a tilting factor in these high-stakes playoffs and home leagues alike. Yeah, he... You know, first active game was week two. Weeks two through six, he was – I can't yeah. believe it. He was the RB3 on the season in PPR leagues, you know. And when you look at a per-game basis, it was RB10 week two, RB5 week three, RB34 week four, and then facing Tennessee, RB2, who he's facing this week, by the way. And then he was RB8 in week six. And then, you know, JT kind of comes back and he tapers off. But we saw – Moss kind of, I don't know. I don't know if maybe did he hit a wall because weeks seven through 12 didn't really look the same. His usage was declining. Yes, that's obvious. But even when he was in the field, just didn't have the burst that he had at the beginning of the season. So I wonder if the volume got to him because he hasn't had that type of volume in the NFL and, um, or, you know, teams adjusting. I don't know what it is, but he definitely didn't look quite the same as he did at the beginning of the season. Maybe it lights a fire under him again. He gets the opportunity to be the lead back, and we see him kind of remerge to that, <laughs> that RB1 territory. I can't believe I'm saying it. Um, but, I mean, he realistically is in the discussion as a top 13 running back this week. Yeah, 100%. And I and I think the volume, is that's a good point, Billy, because that was like the reservation I had with Moss was that was a guy who'd never really seen more than like 125 touches. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, he's like a 25-touch-a-game guy in this Shane Steichen offense. But – the thing about Zach Moss is he might get a huge contract. Like if you have Zach Moss in a dynasty league, no, like he's he's going to be be a free agent. This might be a could this could be a Jamal Williams situation. He's twenty five years old, Billy. I don't think huge. I think the running back landscape has changed drastically. I could see a scenario where he gets two million, three million, maybe max. But I don't think that we're going to see him earn much more than that. Uh, uh, he's been a great filler, but let's face it, he's got vulnerabilities. He has some part areas of the game that's not strong. Um, it just kind of came on at the right time here, and it's worked out. He's Zach Moss too. That's a good argument against it. But anyway, you got to got to love him for the next for this sprint here. And it, you know, I would not count Jonathan Taylor coming back. I think that you know, if, if Jonathan Taylor is one of the guys you're leaning on, if things go south for the Colts and they fall out of the playoff picture then I think you could be looking at Jonathan Taylor not playing another snap this season based on the amount of money they gave him. Uh, Billy, we want to touch on one defensive question in the chat. Now, we talked about stashing defenses earlier in the show. Uh, he has a bye week in one of the – or they have a bye week in one of their leagues. Shout out to Jelly of the Month Club. Um, 
And week 16 defensive special team, which would you be most comfortable with? Denver versus New England, Washington versus the Jets, Houston versus Cleveland, or the Colts against Atlanta. And I'll say for this one, I kind of like that Denver versus New England one because I'm I have the the I have no faith in this New England Patriots offense right now. And I, I think that that Denver offense is being so efficient that I think they could put a lot of pressure on on the New England Patriots and you could see some turnovers. You could see some sack opportunities. I have no trust in Washington. Cleveland could just grind it out and it could be kind of a purgatory defensive uh, result. And then Colts Atlanta. I don't know. I don't love it either. I think Bijan could go nuts. Where are you at in this question? It's either Denver or Houston for me. Um, I just think that uh, I agree. Washington, you can't trust them. And who knows? Week 16, Rodgers might actually be back on the field as of right now. And so um, that's very much up in the air. And so I, I don't think he plays, but we'll see. It's That seems like it's exceptionally quick. Um, Colts is interesting. They've been fairly tough. They've been good. Ritter's been trash, but – um, they could, you know, attack them on the ground and create lanes. So I think Houston is probably uh, it's where I lean here, especially depending upon who's at the quarterback that week. But Denver, I think, is is I wouldn't argue if you want to go that way. So we're going to pivot over here to some uh, stay with the running back here. Talked a little bit about Zach Moss as like kind of a found money guy, another guy who came back this week. And Billy, what a what a kind of turn of events. So we we Kyron Williams gets injured early in the season. He has a ridiculous game, goes for like 150 plus rushing yards. Then we hear about him going to IR on like a Tuesday after the fact. It wasn't like some massive injury on a Sunday where you're like, you know, okay, I saw it. It was kind of like an out of the nowhere one. Then the IR, but don't worry, everyone, he's coming back. He'll be back in week 12. So we say, okay. So we wait along till week 12. And then we get those reports that, yeah, he's coming back, but we want to be really careful with his usage here. Uh, we don't want to rush him back. We want to be very like cautious. Uh, a lot of Sean McVay talk. Well, Royce Freeman still got his touches, but Kyron Williams went insane. Kyron Williams had two touchdown catches, and he runs for another game of 150-plus rushing yards. Unbelievable performance, as efficient as they get. How excited should Kyron Williams managers be? Our friend Chris Vaccaro uh, and Nando Defino, who put out Fantasy Empire, uh, right here on player profiler, they're talking about like Christian McCaffrey, like numbers for Kyron Williams the rest of the way. Are you quite there? I, I think it, it can't be ignored. I definitely think he's, I think he's a top five running back for the rest of the season. If you look at what he did in the beginning of the season, so he weeks one through six is when he was active. Then he got hurt and was out weeks seven through 11, and there was a buy in between. But weeks one through six active games, he was running back four on the season behind McCaffrey. Mostert went buku crazy at the beginning of the year, and ETN was on this, you know, he's everything we thought Tony Pollard was going to be in the beginning of the year. But Kyron Williams there was averaging 18 and a half fantasy points a game in PPR leagues during that, that first six weeks. Um, he finished respectively as the RB6 in week one one the rb4 in week two the rb3 in week four and the rb2 in week six follows up on his first active game since week six and immediately out the gate as the rb1 he is i think somebody they're going to continue to utilize heavily um he did see a reduced role. So, I mean, it wasn't, they weren't wrong. He was just highly efficient with those touches. He saw 61% of snaps last week, where in comparison, he was seeing anywhere from, you know, 70 to 90% on a week to week basis prior to that. 
Um, and so he did see a reduced role, 61%, but he saw 19% of the target share um, and was very efficient with all of his touches. So I think you have to consider him top five running back rest of the season. Yeah, I'm, I'm completely with you on Kyron Williams and the top five. And Billy and I are going to go over our top five running backs the rest of the season. But another running back who I'm going to have in my top five is Bijan Robinson. And we talked a little bit in the in the pre-show. I was on a 33rd team podcast with with the Podfather and Josh Larkey and Ryan Reynolds and Jordan Vanek. And I said Bijan Robinson was my league winner uh, in the fantasy playoffs. I think it's happening. I think that he's the chosen one. He's going to find his way into 2024 redraft first rounds. Billy, it is happening. But we've seen back-to-back smash games for Robinson, 27 PPR points, and the week before, 17 PPR points. And I said to you, I kind of would have him here in our top five rest of the season. And you put a little cold water on that. So talk me off of here. Is, is Bijan Robinson not a top five running back rest of the season, Billy? I'm going to ask one question. And then that, that depending upon your answer, it'll determine my answer. Do you trust Arthur Smith? I trust the chosen one. <laughs> no, do you trust Arthur Smith? That's the question. No, I don't trust Arthur Smith. But I think that the last two weeks have kind of been telling, you know, we saw the 20 plus carries, then we saw the six targets. So we've, I've had like baby steps here where my trust factor, my trust factor for him is not good, but do, do I trust him to get the ball to Bijan Robinson the rest of the season? I kind of do at this point. So I do not trust Arthur Smith. So that's why I'm going to say Bijan Robinson to me is not a top five RB. He also has fairly tough matchups. He's got the Jets, Tampa Bay, Indianapolis in there who are, are you know, above average at the position. He's got Carolina, Billy. He, he does can make have, up for the Carolina. He does have Carolina in there, which is the, the one really good matchup that he has in there. Uh, that being said, if you look at the utilization – Tyler Algier is still seeing about 30% of the snaps. Cordell Patterson is now in the mix, who's been seeing about 30% of the snaps. And so you have Patterson now, who's also running anywhere from 13 to 37% of the routes. And so now we have this three-headed monster, even if it is 25, 30% for both the other backs. It's just another nuisance that we have to, you know, have to deal with with Arthur Smith not to mention are they going to start trying to get are they going to start to try to get the, the tight ends back involved we don't know what the game plan is week to week Arthur Smith thinks he's the, the like the super smart coach and I don't I think he just rolls with what he thinks is going to work that day I don't think he actually is this you know genius that he thinks he is but it's just I don't trust him I, I think any given week we could see 12 personnel we could see it be a Drake London week we could see Cordell Patterson break off a run and they're going to lean on Cordell Patterson now so Arthur Smith's an idiot, and I don't trust him, so I beat you. I was just outside my top five. Okay, so let's do it. Let's talk about our, our top five running backs for the rest of the season, Billy. I think we'll cross off Christian McCaffrey is number one for both of us. I think that one is proud as, about as chalk as you can possibly get. Okay, so we're not getting two out there. How about RB2 overall for you? RB2 overall for me, I, I think it's Kyron Williams. Okay, so I'm going to go RB2 overall for me is Jameer Gibbs because okay. I've seen four straight top five weeks before last week's kind of Thanksgiving disappointment, and I think J Jameer Gibbs is just kind of the truth. So I'll go Jameer Gibbs as my RB2 overall. You went with Kyron Williams. Yeah. Uh, how about RB3 overall for you? RB3 overall for me is going to be uh, Travis Etienne. Okay, so for me, RB3 overall is going to be Kyron Williams. 
And we'll, we'll we'll quickly let's talk about Travis Etienne because he makes my top five. Spoiler alert: he's RB five. But we've seen sort of like the snap share go down a little bit, and we've seen increased uh, production from D. Ernest Johnson. Yeah, and this week he's banged up. Doesn't help. Doesn't help. So, but like to me, do you think this is like a preservation of Etienne thing yes. where Doug Peterson is okay? So that we're on that. It's it's not a. Yeah. It's not anything more than, hey, we no. got to keep him fresh, so let's keep mix him in Ernest Johnson. Yep. yep. But again, that scares me a little bit because, like, Etienne had all those weeks where he was giving you the touchdown scores, but the volume was – the volume and the yeah. snap shares were also great. Four for me is Jameer Gibbs, but I, I would be fine placing him at three. I mean, this was – I almost said Jameer Gibbs as well. Um, but I, I think that the, these two could be flip-flopped any given week depending upon the matchup. Um, but I probably lean ETN for overall volume because with with Gibbs, you always have the back of your mind is is David Montgomery going to take over again, or are we going to see him get twenty five carries this game? Is he going to get every goal line touch right? And so there's similar worries with both of them. I'm not going to argue if you have one of them three or four. Okay, so how about RB four for you? Is Jameer Gibbs? So three okay, or so four Gibbs interchangeable. Bijan Robinson for me is RB four. And then how about RB5 for you? Rashad White. Okay, so I love the Rashad White one. He does not make my top five. Five RB5 for me is Travis Etienne, but let's stay with Rashad White because he's right there. And I think that that one, a lot of people would not include maybe in their top six, but he's RB6 right now in PPR on the season. But Billy, the workload has been fantastic (coughs) and the production's been there. It's, It's wild. But like last week, he scores 13 PPR points, and that was his worst game in like six weeks. Every other week has been more points than that. Um, You've seen some smash games out of him, too. You think back to that Houston week where he goes nuts, and he's been a reliable pass catcher. And I never thought he would be like, we both had this summer, we both were on Rashad White heavily. Um, I think that one thing the player profiler did quite well is we were ahead on Rashad White in Dynasty and in Redraft. Uh, we had a couple of hits, but that was one that we can kind of put our hats on. But I never anticipated him being a guy that was going to get multiple 20-plus carry weeks like in a row. And they've trusted him enough with that. I think it could be uh, because of they don't really like what's behind him, but I think it's also because they trust him as a reliable, high-volume uh, car- ball carrier. Uh, your thoughts on Rashad White moving forward? Yeah, it's not even just the ground. I think he's been actually pretty inefficient on the ground. It's the pass catching ability yeah. for me that's propped him up, and the reason why I have him this high. Um, even against the Niners, who have you know they're not they're not the same Niners defense that they once were, where nobody could run against them. But um, he was still RB thirteen that week in PPR leagues because he saw seven targets, caught six of them for twenty eight yards, and you know had a, had a touchdown on the ground. And so um, he's been pretty lucky in the touchdown department for the last you know few weeks. But I think overall his his you know forty six targets on the season, he's caught forty three of those, so that's exceptional. Um, his yard per reception is at eight and a half, and so weighted opportunities wise, he's RB four in weighted opportunities. You know, receptions he's RB three, receiving yards RB two, and so this is that PPR back. I mean, in in standard leagues, probably not as 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 probably high in in semi rankings and half PPR. I think it takes a little bit hit as well, but PPR leagues hard hard to argue that he shouldn't be in the top five. Yeah, and we talk about Rashad White, which is a guy that will be an interesting person for us to talk about in the offseason because he did dodge a lot of like potential landmine draft picks or free agents landing in Tampa to kind of 
challenge him for touches. But Billy, guys who catch this many passes in their first two seasons of the league traditionally have a long shelf life for us in fantasy. So he'll be an interesting one to talk about. One guy that we both didn't mention, obviously, for our top five was Ramondre Stevenson. Where are you at on Ramondre for the rest of the season? Again, this New England offense is really difficult to watch. I think that that New England-New York Giants uh, game was about as bad an NFL game as we've seen all season long. Uh, <laughs> it was really bad. Uh, so where are we at on on Mondre? So Ramondre, to me, I like the player. I think he's getting you know enough volume to support it. Um, but it's going to be completely dependent upon the the game script, what's happening with the offense, the quarterback, the play, everything. And so I, I think, man, I was so, I was so disappointed because in the beginning of the year, I loved Ramondre. Um, yep. I think he's more of honestly like RB fifteen rest of the season. Um, kind of that high end RB two range, probably going to finish inside as RB one a couple times, like not the RB one, but as an RB one a couple times, probably finishes outside, you know, the top 20 a few times. And he's probably going to settle in that RB 15 range, quite frankly. Yeah, I think that sounds about right. Good question in the chat from Harry Snowman. Who do you like more rest of season? David Montgomery, Ramondre Stevenson or Saquon Barkley. And I'm going to go ahead and say, I would like to have David Montgomery the most because I trust that offense by far the most and i think if you say to me which guy could fall in the end zone two times in a game it's montgomery saquon has that 30 point game where he was rb1 overall against washington but billy he it's bracketed by like six points and seven points so i i don't have any trust factor in the giants offense um not that excited about saquon i don't like his fantasy playoff schedule and mandre like rb15 sounds fine but Ramondre Stevenson to me is a purgatory player. He's the kind of guy that's going to be in my in my lineup, and I'm kind of hoping for that floor without really like a real hope of a ceiling. And when I get deep into the fantasy playoffs, and it becomes more and more of a I need points or I need like big time performances, I'd much rather go with David Montgomery, even though I just mentioned Jameer Gibbs as my RB two overall. Yeah, I think this is where rest of season rankings differ from weekly rankings because on a weekly rankings projection standpoint, Barkley's probably going to be above David Montgomery any any given week. But if you look at rest of season and you look at the schedule and who they're facing, um, this is where it gets interesting because uh, Barkley gets Philadelphia twice. And so Philadelphia is the number one defense against the running back position from a fantasy perspective. They've given up uh, zero receiving touchdowns on the season, uh, which is tied for the best. They've given up only two rushing touchdowns on the season, which is the best. Uh, sorry, second, the, it, Atlanta's given up zero. And they've only given up 168 fantasy points to position. So that alone, I think, uh, Barkley gets the kind of odd man out here uh, based upon his matchups. Um, and, and then I – Agree with you. Montgomery, I think, is the one that we have to lean here into because of the goal line packages, the um, the amount we're going to see him on on short yardage, and they just trust him with with the ball. Uh, guys, smash the uh, the like button, and if you're not subscribed to Player Profiler, please take the take the time to subscribe to Player Profiler YouTube. Uh, all of our content is free. Billy and I are in, are in the the streets here every single Thursday, bringing you podcasts just like this. Uh, let's take one more question in the chat. PPR 10, uh, what is this? PPR 10 point touch. Oh, 10 points a touchdown. So Billy, this is a little weird format. P 
PPR league and he gets 10 points for every touchdown. Tony mm. Pollard, Jerome Ford, Devon A. Chain, Javante Williams. So if I'm getting 10 points for a touchdown, I'm definitely, I mean, Tony Pollard's in my lineup uh, anyway. I, who did, are we picking one here or two? Well, Let's uh, pick one. No, the touchdown thing changes things because it's, okay. um, sorry, it's Pollard. Who else was it? Pollard, Jerome Ford, Devon A. Chain, and Javante Williams. Ford, A-Chain, Javante Williams. I think as explosive as A-Chain is, I think the 10 touchdown points probably might get him out of this because we, we're going to look at uh, – Javante just hasn't really scored. He only has two touchdowns on the season. Jerome Ford has three touchdowns on the season. It's probably Tony Pollard still. Um, Pollard has four yeah, matchups, Miami, Detroit, Washington. Uh, probably slightly Pollard, but I wouldn't argue if you wanted to throw in um, wouldn't argue if you wanted to throw in Javante. That 10 point, uh, you know, Billy, I'm not trying to throw curveballs at you like that when I'm pulling chats. I didn't notice <laughs> ten, ten, 10 point, a touchdown league. That is, that is some wild stuff. Want to quickly, uh, you know, pivot over to uh start sit type question. This week is a shady one for people. You're seeing a lot of people cramming in some, some really interesting names in their lineup. There's going to be a bunch of people with Greg Dorch in their lineup. There's going to be some people chasing Dorch it. Is sneaky this week. Listen, I like Dorch. We could spend <laughs> we could spend an hour on Dorch. That thirty for thirty on Dorch is going to be interesting. The guy has seventeen <laughs> targets in the in two weeks. He was he was invisible for the entire beginning of the season. Then Kyler Murray comes back and is like, "Hey, coaches, I like the guy Greg Dorch. Let's use him a little bit." And they're using him a lot. But I want to talk about the New Orleans Saints offense. Alvin Kamara, I think, is my RB two overall this week. Um, for the week, because I think he's going to catch like uh, an insane amount of passes. But I'm looking at the other, and whether whether you agree with me or not, he's going to be somewhere in your top. Let's call it. He's a top twelve running back for you this week, Billy. Yeah, yeah, I got him. Oh, I got him. Easy. I got him. Yeah, pretty easily. Okay, so let's talk about the pass catchers because Chris Olave concussion uh, uh, syndromes, and now you have Rashid Shahid. Who, if Olave were to miss time, we would both be really excited about Shahid, but he's dealing with a quad. So when you talk about the other New Orleans Saints pass catching weapons, AT Perry, you're AT Perry. So I'm gonna I was gonna say Juwan Johnson. Oh or yeah, AT yeah. Perry. I was thinking receivers. Yeah. Okay. Juwan so, Johnson or AT. Ju- both good options. Both good options. Would there be one you'd prefer? Um, I like Juwan. So I think Juwan's fine. Um, if both receivers are out though, that means AT Perry is gonna be. In and in, in on every single snap at receiver position. Um, Lynn Bowden becomes now interesting as well, but I think that uh, I think Perry probably sees you know 90 plus percent of snaps. Shawan's probably out there 100 percent of the time as well, but um, you can make an argument either way. I think that AT Perry has explosiveness though. So he that's Juwan's the kind of guy that probably gets you know seven targets and eight targets maybe and probably like 60 70 yards and maybe gets a score. It's going to be you know a top seven tight end week, but it could be AT Perry could see like 130 yards in a score. Okay. So there you go. That was, that was kind of like my weird question. Here's another one. Zach Ertz today. It's he's waived and the, and all the reports say that Zach Ertz wants to link uh, on with a contender and chase a Super Bowl ring. Now Ertz is a former Philadelphia Eagle. Mm-hmm. Dallas Goddard is still banged up and we don't necessarily have a return date, a solid one for Goddard. You have Mark Andrews, who is done for the season. Uh, Baltimore needs another tight end. Even if Isaiah likely is the replacement, I think, you know, Ertz, based on what he did earlier in the season, would be 
looked at as probably an up as an upgrade if he lands in Baltimore. Then you have kind of random uh, teams as well. Like we always talk about the Chargers as a destination for a tight end. Where do you think Ertz ends up? And what would be the number one outcome for him on a fantasy perspective? I think for me, it's Baltimore. I think because he would step right in and be like a poor man's Mark Andrews on a lot of the same routes. Yeah, Baltimore makes sense. Philly makes sense. You could even see potentially Kansas City making a move because their receiving weapons have been so bad. They could run 12 personnel um, and it alleviate, you know, kind of the pressure off of off of Kelsey. Um, probably not as likely, but I think the Baltimore and Philly make the most sense. Yeah, I, I think he'll sign over the next couple of days because, you know, you get if it's if it's Baltimore, they would also have the luxury of adding him during their bye week, which I think is always like a positive for these teams. Um, it would what would it do to Isaiah likely? Would this completely nuke him if he ends up being a Baltimore Raven? Hold up. Have you ever put anybody in timeout in chat? I'm going to put based in a timeout just because I'm tired of seeing Taysom Hill's fucking name. Have you ever done it? I've never done it. What does it do? What does the timeout button do? I don't know. Let's find I out. I don't know. Ba- Basin is a timeout. You're in the ch- you're in the timeout chair, Basin. <laughs> deal with deal with it, bro. Oh no, I removed them. <laughs> oh, we're sorry. Come on, I, let, let him back, Billy. I don't let know how. Back. Let him back. I'm gonna add him. Oh, I don't I know how. I don't know. You ban them. I'll get him back on the. I'll, I'll use the settings. I'll get him back. Okay, we'll get you back, Basin. Uh, we didn't mean to do that. It was it was completely harmless. So, Billy, you know, let's let's move on. That's a, that's a. You know, you mentioned the Kansas City Chiefs and having trouble at the, at the wide receiver position, but Rasheed Rice was wide was a top five wide receiver this past week. Rasheed Rice is starting to really really come on his own here. Looks like a must start for the rest of the season. How excited are you about Rasheed Rice? Uh, and kind of his upward trajectory for us as fantasy managers. I'm really excited. We've seen a lot of, we've seen a lot of, um, I, 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 I can't say they're kind of gadgety though, right? He's kind of been on these like low dot passes. I want to see a, him. He's a zone buster, right? Is he yeah. a zone buster? I want to see him use him more down the field, but I think right now I'm happy with the increased workload. That's all I can say. 10 targets cannot be ignored. And I think it's sort of coming into shape where you have a, balanced Kansas City Chiefs where they're they are going with Rasheed Rice he's clearly the one they want to get involved with at the wide receiver position you had like that one weird Justin Watson week where he had 11 targets uh and then he goes back to like three targets last week and now you have Rasheed Rice looking like he's their wide receiver one obviously Kelsey and obviously Pacheco got to be pretty excited about that one uh what about a you know I mentioned Watson we talked about Dorch What's your like ugliest start this week? Who's a player you're cramming in your lineups that you really, really don't want to? Uh, I mean, I got Dernis Johnson going in, in, a, in a playoff FFPC. I guess it's not that bad, but I'm not confident about it. Billy, it's bad. It's not. It's not. It's not a good thing. It's not a good thing. But but we definitely uh we definitely got to do what we got to do. This this six teams on by is extremely extremely ugly. Want to touch base on one more box score result last week. We talked a lot about Devon A-Chain, but we've now had, we talked about teams coming off of their bye weeks and making adjustments. To me, it looks like Jalen Waddle is really, really headed up upward. Uh, we've had back-to-back weeks where the combined target share of Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, it was looking like last season. So you get the Las Vegas game, 
where those guys had like a combined 55% target share, very comparable to what we saw during their incredible 2022 season. But then this week against the Jets, they only had 28 pass attempts and you end up with 20 of them going to Waddle and Hill. So they're plus 70% uh, target share combined. Tyree Kill's wide receiver one right now or wide receiver two, however you're ranking them. But how excited should people be about Jalen Waddle? It seems like the smash weeks could be coming. He's got Washington this week, Tennessee yeah. next week. Yeah, definitely seen um, a lot more targets. 29% last week target share, 23% the week before, 85% or more of the routes ran. Um, I, I think, you know, being Tyreek is who he is, and they kind of have a really consolidated target tree. I think Waddle's in a smash play moving forward. Billy, a lot of the chat is saying that you are cold-blooded <laughs> and you're taking people out. Uh, I'm trying to feel bad. I'm trying to figure out how to undo it right now. That's why my answers have been short. I'm trying to get, I'm trying to go to the community tab. I'm trying to figure out how to undo it. I yeah, thought it, you know, I thought you know, it just guys, timed him out. Guys, uh, shout out to Anthony Machka. I'm, uh, he's got a Royce Freeman in his lineup. I got a, I got a Rolls Royce in my lineup as well. It doesn't feel good, but maybe he'll fall into the end zone this week. Um, Billy, we we talked a lot about we talked a lot about a number of subjects. Uh, I want to touch base before we get out of here on the Green Bay Packers, because I think this is a team that is kind of trending up. Jordan Love passes for three touchdown passes uh, on Thanksgiving Day. They beat the Detroit Lions, and we saw a huge Christian Watson game, and we saw another touchdown from the war daddy, Jaden Reed. How excited should we be about this this Green Bay uh, Packers passing game? I'm not excited about it. I, okay. I, don't, I don't trust any of them. I I am so tilted with Watson. Like I start him a week. He throws up like three, five, six points. I, I bench him. He throws up, you know, 20 burger last week. And then I started him a lot of places, but like, it's just, when you have options, like it, it becomes a debate. Right. And you just, it's one of those things. I just so, I'm so frustrated with this, this passing, all the receivers, Jaden Reed either scores twice or doesn't really get any looks at all period. And so, it's frustrating. Either of them can finish inside the top 30 at the position, but they could also finish outside the top 45 at the position. So it's it's one of those things I just don't fully trust it. I'll use them if I have to. Okay, so back it up a, a second. And I'll say Christian Watson, yeah, Billy, killed me. And I actually had a – I missed – I had one FFPC main event that I missed the playoffs because I benched Watson, and that was like my start-sit decision, which – Hold on. Wait, wait. If anybody knows how to like unban someone, please throw up the chat. I'm trying to do this in the background while Theo's talking. And I cannot figure it out. <laughs> Billy, it's over. It's over. The guy, the guy's done. The guy's done. He'll be back next week, guys. Uh, email him at, at Player Profilers, Billy Muzio. Uh, Theo Greminger did not hit the button. It was all Billy right there. It was 100% uh, me. I thought it well, just it said timeout. It didn't say ban. Billy, it, let's I, I don't know. put you, him in YouTube, a timeout. YouTube, you gotta you gotta clarify things a little bit better. Uh, you know, for for us hosts here. Billy hit the wrong button, it it, it zapped him. <laughs> no, with it, it was the right button. It said put him in a timeout. And so I put him in a timeout and it banned him. Okay. So let's take a quick, quick question. Someone you did not ban Dakota in the <laughs> chat, Curtis Samuel or Jaden Reed, Curtis Samuel last week uh, goes over a hundred yards, gets all the low eight out looks Dallas Cowboys defense, put a lot of pressure on Sam Howell. Sam Howell connected continuously with Curtis Samuel. That's a really good question here. I'm going to lean Curtis Samuel on this one. Cause I think that the Miami game, could turn out the same way where you get the game flow, you get some pressure on, on, on Howell again. And I think it could be a Curtis Samuel game. Billy, where are you at? Jaden Reed or Curtis Samuel? 
Uh, I'm going to refer to my rankings one second. I don't actually – this one's kind of close. Let's see. Samuel I have at wide receiver 41. But that – okay, the, there's someone ahead of him who's probably not going to play. So that takes him up to 40. And then Reed I have at 37. So they're both – they're in that same tier. So slight lean to Reed. Okay. And then the, the I want to press back because you're not excited to start Green Bay Packers – uh, wide receivers, but you know, again, you have Reed ahead of Samuel, so that says something. What about Jordan Love? Jordan Love ending the season on a positive goes up against a very difficult defense in Kansas City this week, but they're right in the playoff hunt. Like Green Bay potentially could win out with a bunch of these games and and be in this NFC playoffs. What do you think about Jordan Love? Is he right back on the streamer uh, discussion for you? No, I don't. I don't trust him. Um, I. Quarterback situation landscape though is so bleak that you may be forced to play him, but I'm not confident in him every in the week. It seems to never outside last week. He seems to never want to play football in the first half. He only only wants to play second half football. Um, so I don't have a lot of confidence in him. Well, there you go. And Billy, we're we're at the hour mark. I, I would like to to point out that every single Saturday night, Billy and Bradley Stalder are getting together for the Dominator right here on Player Profiler YouTube. Why don't you let everybody know about that start-sit show, Billy? It's been really, really cool, and you guys have been very, very helpful uh, and generous with your time. Uh, you guys are answering a lot of questions. It, it's turned out to be a much longer commitment <laughs> yeah. than you ever anticipated. But supposed, to be, you... supposed to be a 30-minute show. We usually record based upon Bradley and I's, like, how are Saturdays going with the kids? We both have kids. We're on East Coast and West Coast time zone, so it usually time changes. Out. Bradley, we don't claim the Midwest on the East Coast. I'm on the East Coast. I live on Long Island. He's on, Bradley, he's on Eastern time. He lives in Michigan, though. It's That's Eastern the, time. No, no, no. He's, he's, he's a Midwesterner. <laughs> Who's using our, our 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 time zone? You don't get to claim the East Coast if you're in Detroit. Nobody's nobody's doing that. Okay, he's on Eastern time zone. I'm okay. on I'm on Pacific time zone. So we got a three hour difference. So we usually record anywhere from six thirty ish, six o'clock East my time. So nine nine thirty. We usually announce it on Twitter. So just keep an eye out there. But we answer all your start sick questions. We literally just only do start sick questions, and so help people with the line decisions and rock and roll from there. Love it. Highly recommend it. And then check out my podcast, uh, Press Coverage. I uh, dropped it with Jim Coventry. I have uh, Justin Boone coming on next week. Uh, and then check out Billy and I next week right here on First Class Fantasy. And then tomorrow, uh, we have Sonic Truth uh, podcast in the morning. And then I have a Dynasty Life with Scott Connor. Uh, so a lot of really high-quality Dynasty content uh, tomorrow right here on Player Profiler YouTube. Uh, this is a lot of fun, Billy. We got we got to win this week. It's a must-win week 13. And then next week right here on First Class Fantasy, we're wrapping up the, the regular season in home leagues. We're going to have a lot more conversation like this. Let's crush it. You guys put in a lot of work. Uh, take a little extra time with your lineups this week. It's time for us to win some titles. It's time for us to win some money, Billy. It is time to win money. And one last time, I, I found the answer, Theo. Timeout lasts from 10 seconds up to 24 hours, depending upon their timeout channel. So, sorry. <laughs> Guys, he's Billy Muzio. Have a great night, everyone. <laughs> I feel so bad. Hey, I want to take a moment to thank you for tuning in. It's important to me that all of our media be free. This is only possible because of you, 
allowing a true independent sports media enterprise to thrive unlike any other in the business. So please subscribe to the All In Package to continue to make all this possible to ensure that all of our stats, information, data, content is available to you, especially you, the people that get the site and get the show.